I don't know about you, but I wonder if you've ever been asked to do something you really don't want to do. Now, I don't mean kind of the washing up or paint the spare room or maybe the difficult task at work. I mean something you've been specifically asked for. You have been called out and said, I have this job for you. And everything inside of you said, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> Just mute the microphone. I remember when I first started my working life, I was a hotel manager down in, South, uh, in Winchester, down on the south coast of England, well, in Hampshire. Down south, I was a hotel manager for a, for, for a big uh, four-star hotel. And I was a, my, my title was duty manager. I was a catering supervisor. I looked after the restaurant and the bar work. But one of the roles I was given, unbeknown to me, was I was living in the staff house, and I was asked to sort it out. The general manager called me into his office, said, forget about your job here at the hotel. Our staff house was being investigated by the environmental health for noise pollution. We had a 30-room staff house, staff house in the centre of Winchester, very well-to-do, uh, very posh environment, and it was opposite the cathedral. It was very nice. And we had a team of people, a lot of them very young, great people, who decided after living their very worldly lives throughout the evenings and nights, that at three, four in the morning, they would take on some sort of dueling DJ competition on a nightly basis. They would set up their speakers, their, amp their amplifiers, and they would have some sort of competition uh, with, their, with the DJ. And the, the general manager said, enough is enough. We're going to get shut down as a staff house. And if we lose 30 rooms of accommodation for staff, we will lose our ability to run as a hotel. He said, I don't really care what you do, shut them up. <laughs> I didn't want to. These were people I lived with. These were people that I kind of worked with. I didn't want to do this. But I did come up with a solution. After nights of, of asking and knocking on doors and saying, is this really the time? I found my new best friend, and that was a pair of scissors. You see, one of the quickest ways to stop this going on was to cut the plugs off their systems. And at four in the morning, when they'd probably been out for a few beers that evening, they were not in the mood to rewire plugs. So we sorted out the problem. We gained a new mutual respect for each other in the hotel. And I taught them a valuable skill. Every one of them learned to rewire a plug at an early age. As I was preparing for today, I didn't know what I was going to speak on, just a bit of honesty and vulnerability, till Thursday this week. I was on my way to a meeting in Manchester. I was going to meet with the Message Trust, which was a fantastic charity. And on the way, I was praying in the car. And Michael will know this prayer. It's a prayer that many preachers will do from time to time. And it was, Lord, I really need something. You have to help me. Please give me something to speak on. Michael has asked me to talk and he said Nick do what you want with that small smile talk on what you want and I was praying and do you know when you genuinely call on God for a message for other people when you genuinely say God what do you want me to say to those people God gives you a message and for me as I was in the car he told me he gave me a picture and told me to speak on a book I have not read for a long time he said I want you to speak about Jonah Great story. Now, I got excited. And if you have been around church in your younger days, you will have done what I did and you've instantly got a picture in your head of a man being swallowed by a massive fish. 
Because that is how we know of Jonah and the whale, or Jonah and the big fish, it was a bit of a longer title. But as God often does, as I was starting to think about that, he had a much deeper message for me to share with you today. A message that is deeper than our slightly nostalgic memories of a fantastic story. A message that will challenge and talk to each one of us as it talked to me in just preparing. So I pray, in fact I will pray, Father I want to thank you for your answer to prayer in that, in that morning. But I thank you for the way in which you bless us as we ask for your messages Father. And I just pray that as I speak out the words I believe you give me today Father, I pray that your spirit will go before me. That you will open hearts and minds and I pray that you will challenge each one of us again afresh this morning. Amen. Amen. So today, I've given it the snappy title, the happy title of running away from your calling. Isn't that nice? It could have been running away from God, felt a bit harsh. But running away from your calling. So I thought I'd ask a quick question. In what book of the Bible is the story of Jonah? Jonah. Yeah. Trick question. Though I must admit, I did have a quick moment in the car. As I was sat in the car park of the message thinking, where is the book of Jonah? Where is the story of Jonah? It's in the book of Jonah. For those of you who are completionists, who like to read the Bible, Jonah is one of those books that you can tick off very quickly. Jonah has four chapters. I think I counted 48 verses in total. So if you want to go home and achieve something today, you can read the book of Jonah in a quick sitting. But it is a fantastic message. In fact, this morning, to get a head start, we're going to read quite a chunk of Jonah. We're going to read from chapter one. So you can turn on your Bibles if you use digital Bible. You can open your Bible. You have a short moment to run to the back of the church and grab a Bible if you want one, because there's some by the front door. And we are going to read... From the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. Give you a second. Okay. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up, again, uh, come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the ports. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break apart. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? Who, what do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? 
They knew he was running away from the Lord. He had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied. It will become calm. I know that it's my fault and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die. Oh, sorry, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights going to read a bit further on from inside the fish Jonah prayed to the Lord his God he said in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry you hurled me into the deep into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me all your waves and breakers swept over me I said I have been banished from your sight yet I will look again towards your holy temple the engulfing waters threatened me and deep surrounded me seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sank down but the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought me life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good salvation. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And just a bit more. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it a message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Well, fantastic. Yeah. So again, I've actually read to you. The first two and a bit chapters, you've only got a chapter and a bit to go. And you can say today, I've read the book of Jonah. What a great message. There is clearly too much for me to preach on all the way through. But it's great to spend time in the fullness of that scripture. It's great to read things all the way through and not just to take a snapshot of the bit you want to hear that day. So Jonah was a prophet, a messenger of God, a man given a message to the people of Nineveh. If you haven't read through the books of the prophets in the Old Testament, I challenge you to try. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this picture of God's chosen people turning away from God, doing things in their own way, forgetting what God has done for them, how they have been blessed, and making God angry at times. And we then see the prophets each time called in to give them a message from God to sort them out. In Jonah's case, he is famous for what happened when he didn't follow God's calling on his life, rather than what happened when he did. Jonah is centred on the choice he made, not only to not listen to the voice of God telling him he should go to Nineveh, but the action he took to try and get distance between him and God's calling. Jonah didn't just say no, or like many Christians do, and just ignore it, 
I speak from experience, he actively turned away from the calling on his life. But as I prepared for today, it's a choice that can cut us all a little bit too close to the bone. As we look a bit more into what God is saying to us, it can get a little bit uncomfortable. I want to start with how are you called? And my point is called for a purpose. Or, as I've said before here, your default calling. Every now and again we speak to people who have had the experience of a strong calling on their lives that has, and they've made a choice that's completely changed the direction of their life. I know some fantastic people. I've got a, a family of friends of ours who made a choice after being called to move their whole family and young children to the Congo to work for God. That's an incredible calling. My own sister-in-law and her husband made a decision to go and work in Afghanistan as missionaries. That is a calling. And we look at them, we see, look at the calling on their life. When we hear the big moves and the way people are obedient and follow God's calling in a dramatic way, it can affect us all differently. We can be truly inspired. We can be, if we're honest, relieved it's not us. Sometimes we can even feel a little bit like we've been missed off the calling list. What about me? Where is my calling? And I've heard people say to me, and if I'm honest, I'm getting a bit frustrated with the words, I'm waiting for my calling. I'm waiting to hear what God has to say to me. I understand it. But we're missing the point. Before I go any further, sometimes that is how God calls us. Sometimes God has a distinct thing he wants us to do and directly tell us. We have a man in our church, a mighty man of God, who was a landscape gardener and heard a calling on his life to become a church leader. That is not the normal progression from landscape gardening. But we have a man in front of us who leads us incredibly well, who made a choice to follow God's calling on his life, to change everything, to start again. That can be a calling. Part of my own journey, I was working as a bank manager and we felt God called us to come and work for Christians Against Poverty and move to Yorkshire. Skipton is not a bad calling for someone's life. There are many of us in this room that have had callings at different times. So sometimes that can be the case. In Jonah's case, God called him to take a difficult message to the people of Nineveh. That they had become wicked and that destruction was coming. The problem with linking calling to a big moment in which God gives us a direct message to go and do something specific and life-changing is that we can miss the calling we all have been given as Christians. Something I'm passionate about, something I've stood here before and brought to you is that, uh, at this church is that as Christians we all have what I have called default callings. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. In Jonah 1 verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. When the Bible talks about the word, it usually refers to Jesus. It can also refer to the Bible itself, the word we've been given. It's the divine source in which we hear and see God's plan for the world, God's plan for us. In the book of Jonah, it was the divine way in which he was given his calling. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. 
says in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. An amazing passage we read recently when we were looking at who was Jesus. Jesus set out in the Bible the Word we've been given, the Word of God, I believe three distinct callings for all of us. Now, can anyone guess what they are? And I'm aware there's a lot of things in the Bible we're called to do. But anyone, can anyone guess what I believe are the three callings in our life? Called to love people. That's good. To go. Yeah. None of these are wrong. The three I come back to, and maybe it also looks at some of my own passion in life, but the three I believe that all Christians are called to, amongst other things, are firstly, to put God first. There's a lot of passage about this. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees into giving the greatest commandment. And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he secondly goes on to say, love your neighbour as yourself. Somebody said to love other people. I believe we are called to put God first in our life, to love him above everything else, and to love our neighbour as God has called us to love ourselves, or as we do love ourselves. Secondly, I believe we are called to serve the poor. And I do think we can include in that people who are poor in the spirit around us too. But a passage I often come back to, and by the way, there are over 2,000 references to poor, to poverty and injustice in the Bible, is in Matthew 25. And this is all about the sheep and the goats. I've talked about this before. But then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. There's a bit of a bit of words there. They say, well, that wasn't us. I didn't do any of that. And it goes on in verse 40. Then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We're called to serve the poor, to show God's glory in our own communities. And thirdly, I believe we're called to save the lost. The, one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples, and it appears in Matthew 28, was often titled the Great Commission. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We've all been given those callings on our life. Follow him. Put him first. Love the Lord your God. Serve the poor. Whatever you did for the least of, of all my brothers, you did for me. Save the lost. Go and make disciples. They are from the word. They are in the word. They are the word in our lives. We seek to follow Je- as we seek to follow Jesus more closely. And they are the divine God-breathed source of our calling as Christians. As we look at the calling Jonah had on his life and his response to it, I want us to look at the context of what I believe is our default calling from God and our individual response to that. Not just, oh, he was called to do a big nasty thing and he ran away. We are all called to do things every day as Christians that I've put out. 
And how do we respond to that? And I think that puts a different perspective on the story of Jonah, doesn't it? Yes. So my next point, how far can you go? Turning your back on God. So again, when the word came to Jonah and he was called to Nineveh, his response was to flee. It literally says in verse 3, but Jonah ran away. And we've all felt like that in the past. This is what we all know Jonah for. And that's sad. There's actually an incredible kind of rest of Jonah, which I challenge you to go and read. I haven't got time to preach on chapters 3 and 4. But we know Jonah for running away, for trying to get away from God. It's interesting when you look into this. Jonah was called to the great city of Nineveh. For context, for those of you who like to know a bit about what that looks like, that's modern day Iraq. You might have heard about it on the news. He was called many, many years ago to a city of wickedness, which we now know as Iraq. But it says he headed for Tarshish. Does anyone know where Tarshish was? Yeah, just north of Gibraltar in Spain. In those days, it was pretty much the furthest you could get in any sort of commercial trade route. It was the furthest point he could have got to without exploring new territory. He went as far, or he tried to, we know it wasn't very successful, but he got on the first boat he could that it would take him as far away from where God wanted him to go. I like that. It was quite it was one of those moments. Oh, that's nice. Not for him. He literally went as far as he could. He wanted distance from God and, he want, uh, and what God wanted him to do. Jonah, in not fulfilling God's call to go to Nineveh, literally turned his back on God. As much as I do not think there are many of us that go to that physical extreme, it got me thinking about what we do with the calling on our lives. How do we turn away from our calling? What barriers do we put in the way of our calling? Do we put other things before God? Busy lives, things we own, do with our time. Do we prioritise the wrong things? Maybe it's the way we choose to live our life that could be the vessel taking us away from our true calling that God has given us. When we carry on living as the world tells us we should, maybe that is the thing that is putting distance between us. We may not jump on a boat, but when we put something else before God in our life, do we not put distance between us and God? The more we prioritise other things, the further we can look back and see the land and life God has planned for us drift into the distance. I think the next part of Jonah is really key. As he tries to get away, and we know the story well, and if you don't, I hope you're enjoying it. It's a fantastic book. God sends a great wind, a storm on the sea. In verse 4 it says... Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now I'm not saying that God will always send a storm when you walk in the other direction from your calling. I'm not going to look or unpack the, the, the theology behind sending a storm. He might, and he certainly can, but I'm not going to look into that. 
But it struck me that the more things we put in our life before God, the more noise we create, the more distraction we add to our life. It's when we find ourselves further away from God, facing the wrong direction, that the storms and the waves can threaten to shake apart whatever vessel we have chosen to travel on, to base our life decisions upon. Recently, on the other end of the scale, I spoke about the closer we walk with God, the more we will know his will and hear his voice. It it makes sense, doesn't it? If we go the other way, the more time we spend in his will, in his calling for us, in his word, with our brothers and sisters, in the family of God, the more we will hear his voice and know his will for us. But Jonah put his faith in a boat and an unsuspecting group of sailors before the calling on his life. We also see in those verses a worldly view of how you panic in the storm. The sailors cried out to their gods. Pretty much anyone they knew they cried out to. They tried to lighten the ship. Their response was to throw away stuff. Maybe this is the solution. Maybe if we just unbuckled that part of the boat and threw it overboard, everything will be fine. We see Jonah disappear below deck and sleep. Not looking for solutions, but almost... Burying his head in the sands. I'm just going to hide down here and have a nap. Just a couple of things there. Whatever we put before God cannot last the storm. It's only in putting God first that we can have safety. And you cannot hide from the storm when it rages around you. You can't hide in the hold trying to sleep. The sailors called out to things they put first and it did not help. The sailors just tried to throw things overboard and it did not help. Jonah tried to hide and he got shaken awake by the very things he put his trust in instead of God. The only thing that stopped the storm was when Jonah turned back to God. I like this part in the passage. In verse 8 we see the sailors barrage Jonah with questions. God had revealed to them that there was a problem and the problem was Jonah. And we reach a pivotal part in Jonah's story. With all this going on around Jonah, with the fear and panic on the ship, when the questions came, Jonah could have just said, I don't know anything about it. I don't know about weather. I don't know about sailing. This has got nothing to do with me. He could have chosen to keep hiding. Things would only have got worse, not better. In fact, we see in this passage the sailors' kind of worldly response to dealing with problems. They just try to row a bit harder. They try to get back to land to what they knew. They thought we can do this in our own strength. Jonah, when questioned, revealed who he was. He revealed that he was a follower of God. When he reached the bottom with nowhere to turn to, It is then that he turned back to where his identity is. In verse 9 he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah knew he had made a mistake. He had told the others he was running, running away from God. He gave the solution, I am the problem. The life choices I have made and took the drastic measure of asking to be thrown overboard. God revealed his authority to Jonah in the storm. And he responded, Jonah this is, by owning his mistake. He put others before himself. His revelation made an impact 
on those around him. Something else that really jumped out to me in this passage. And by the way, while I was preparing, I, think, I, I thought I was going to be talking about fish for quite a long time. But something that jumped out to me in this passage was how we respond when the storm hits will make a difference to those who see us in the storm. In Jonah's case, the storm was of his direct making. But that is not always the case. In the storm, we have the choice of moving close to God. Of revealing where we place our priorities and faith. Of showing our true identity. Or continuing to try and do it on our own and watch the storm get worse. In Jonah's case, when he put the needs of the crew before his own and got thrown overboard, the storm calmed. His actions and revelation of who God was struck the sailors in that boat. It says in verse 16, At this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now we don't know what happened to those sailors. We don't know if they renounced their other gods. The sailors at that time, they liked a lot of gods, they liked to hedge their bets. We don't know what else they did. But we do know what Jonah did really put the one true God into focus for them. We know it brought them on a bit further on their journey. It says here that they, the, uh, what does it say? They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. We know that Jonah had an impact on that crew. Now many a time as Christians, we don't know the impact we have on the people around us. It's amazing when we can sit with someone and we can see the light bulb come on and we can lead them to faith. But often, actually, we don't know what the impact of our actions are. And we don't know the rest of the sailor's story, but we do know what Jonah did impacted them. The chapter finishes with what is, for many, the main reason people remember the story of Jonah. Verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Amazingly, although he becomes a key character as we retell the story, there are only actually three of the 48 verses that mention the fish. It is pretty awesome. But I wanted to highlight that although, although Jonah was trying to run as far from God as possible, God had a plan to rescue him. When Jonah realised what he had done, when he declared himself as a worshipper of God and got thrown into the sea, God had a plan to save him from death. In his case, a big fish. Before I go any further, I want you to know that God has the same rescue plan for you, for each one of us. Not a fish, but Jesus. See, instead of having to jump from the boat because of the things we have done in our life that created the storm, Jesus already did it for us. He died so that we might live. Amen? Amen. Lastly, saved for a purpose. Three days later, at the end of chapter 2, we are told that God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah back onto dry land. Not the nice image. I think in my head, as I remember Sunday school moments, I imagine him being shot from a blowhole. Or maybe the ship beached itself, opened its mouth and Jonah walked out. What it says is that God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah back onto dry land. I think the next verses are really important to every one of us. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to it the message I give you. After everything Jonah went through, after running from God, after hiding on a boat and the storm crashing around him, after Jonah revealed his true identity and put his trust back in God, after he had been saved and put back on solid footing on land, the next thing we see is God saying to Jonah, just to remind you, this is what I called you to do in the first place. This was your calling. We are saved for a purpose. Our calling, our default calling, to put God first, to love God with all our heart, mind and soul, to serve the poor, to reveal God's glory to those around us by showing our love for them, to save the lost, to go and make disciples, to tell people about what God has done for them, what God has done for us in our lives, what God has done for them, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So to to summarise, Jonah was called by God. We are all called by God to follow him, to serve the poor, to save the lost. Jonah did not want to do what he was asked to do. Jonah aimed as far from his calling as he physically could. Literally went the opposite direction. And I ask you, what do we put in our lives to distance ourselves from the calling God has given us? God was revealed in the storm by the way Jonah showed his true identity. He impacted the lives around, of those around him by what he said and did in the face of fear and danger. How do we show others our true identity by the way we respond? God had a rescue plan. God sent his son, Jesus, to die for all of us so that we might live. Do we know that? Do we show others that? Jonah was saved for a purpose. We are saved for a purpose, for the calling God has put on all of our lives. I want to say, if like me, you felt challenged this morning in any way, don't go until you've talked about it. Don't go until you've asked for prayer. Come and speak to myself, to Michael, to JJ, to to anyone in the church, really. Speak about what you've heard. Speak about what you think God might be saying to you. Speak if you're not sure what God is saying to you, but you think he should be saying something to you. And maybe you need to listen. Come and talk to us. Let us pray with you. If you're sat there thinking, I'm currently on a boat away from God's calling on my life. Come and pray about it. Come and talk to us.